and gentlemen, to the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. We're in the third and final hour, and uh, we're in overdrive, and we've got a very special guest. Uh, he's a man uh, who has just, uh, voices just appeared on the airwaves at uh, Alternate Current Radio in the last week, uh, but if you're familiar with his work, you've heard him on many other platforms. He's probably one of the biggest uh, alternative radio uh Programs in Europe, I would imagine, at least English language wise or all languages. But his name is Richie Allen, and he is the host of the Richie Allen Show. Uh, Richie, thank you for joining us this week. How are you doing? Hey, Patrick, I'm really well, and uh, thanks very much for having me on. A terrific program you've got here, it really is terrific, and I'm thrilled to be invited on. I'm having a, a really good Sunday, relaxing Sunday, and I've been looking forward to this all day, to be honest. So, uh, again, sincere thanks. Yeah, well, no, thank you. It's great to have you on uh, for the first time on this show, but I've been on your show uh, once or twice, I think, and uh, I like your show a lot. I mean, it's it's what I like uh, about your show, Richie, is, uh, and we're, we're so uh, pleased to have you on the ACR network because you're kind of like, uh, to me, like more of an old school Radio. I'm th- I'm talking about what I think talk radio used to be, but isn't so much anymore. But you're sort of a a, a retro. I don't know how to describe yeah. it. You're kind of an old school talk radio guy. Um, I, I really like the way you run your interviews. You get a really huge, diverse spectrum of guests, and 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 I I get the feeling Richie that you do learn a little bit from each of your guests and that goes into your knowledge bank and then you, you that improves your knowledge over time I can see that your knowledge has grown on a number of topics over the times I've I've heard your show so is it, how how's that process going cuz is is this one of the reasons why you do it Oh yeah you you've um, you're very sharp Patrick to say that you're very um you're very on the money there one of the things that, that um, <clears throat> is very apparent not to, to me is how much more clued in many of the people who listen to me are than me. And um, I suppose it makes for interesting listening because on many of the subjects that I talk about, I really don't have a lot of general knowledge. This week I was talking about MKUltra, for example, and the various CIA programs. And apart from you know looking into it and doing a bit of online research... I really don't know too much about that, Patrick. And I suppose when you're trying to reach people who are like yourself, who really are new to a lot of this information, it's probably better that you don't have a broad knowledge. I mean, friends of mine who um, have been researching in this arena for a long time, they often say that to me. They often say, Richie, it's great that so much of this is new to you because you bring that kind of natural curiosity to the programme. Now, this is also a way that I can pay you a backhanded compliment, and it's not the Mutual Appreciation Society here. (laughs) No, it isn't. It isn't. But you do an extraordinary job because you've been writing and reading and learning about much of what the mainstream media is ignoring. Patrick, you've been doing it for years, but yet you keep that out of... I won't say you keep it out of your broadcast, but you retain the ability to remember that you've got to be careful about assumed knowledge. And you've got mm-hmm. to, to always be aware that the audience might, or some of the audience might really not be up to speed on this subject. And you do a terrific job with that. The danger of knowing a lot and having been around for a long time, we're the same age, you and I, but you've been researching and looking into these 
subjects a lot longer than me. Of course, the danger is you get very, you get very, very stale with that. And you forget that it's new to people, but you don't. And it's one of the reasons why I love Sunday Wire. Um, you're very mindful of that. And it suits me to listen to Sunday Wire because, as you quite rightly said, much of this stuff is very new to me. Yeah, well, you know, when I write, I, I, I just kind of like researching, gathering, or reordering ideas and then putting them on paper. I separate that from, uh, what I do here on the, on the radio network because they're, they're kind of two different, uh, activities altogether. And, uh, people get in a certain headspace when they read stuff and it's a totally different headspace than if they're listening to the radio. So that's why I'd probably segregate them, I guess. And yeah. it's the same with television. You do a TV program as well, I think, on Fridays, right? That's right. And, and that's a separate, that's a whole different process than radio and, uh, and writing or anything else. So that's another, another sort of segregated activity, if you will. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, um, I, um, the, the TV thing I love and it's good fun and I do it with, um, uh, the guy who, um, founded LiveLeak.com, which is, as everybody knows, is one of the biggest websites in the world. And we do that. It's basically just me having opinions. And what's interesting about it is my opinions are often, not always, now I'm not, I'm not being modest, but I, I'm being truthful. My, my opinions are often pretty, um, well, let's say they're not exactly learned opinions. or they're, they're not always informed opinions. I have a good rant about certain things and we play some video clips and we attack the mainstream media. But it's good fun. Uh, but with the radio stuff, um, you know, Patrick, I, I sometimes think, I, I, you talked about me being retro. I produced award-winning current affairs programs for commercial radio stations in Ireland. That's how I got my start. So I'm a real mainstream media guy. That's where I began. And um, I was trained there, and I was trained to make programs. I was trained to create radio talk programs from the, from the ground up. In this arena, I tell you what, Patrick, there are times, even speaking with you when you've been on the show, there are times when I sometimes shake my head during a live broadcast and I say to myself, I cannot believe that I'm discussing this subject yeah. on live radio. Not only that, but I cannot believe that I'm understanding that the person speaking to me, my, my, my guest, is right and they're on the money about something that would have been taboo for me some years ago. And funnily enough, even though I've been doing this particular radio show now for a year and a half and I've been doing shows like it for about three years before that, I still feel somewhat of a kind of, um, I don't want to say kind of somewhat of a virgin to this area, but still, I still do shake my head on a nightly basis thinking, really, I'm talking about, um, you know, the, the holographic universe, really? Am I really talking about MK Ultra mind control programs, really? Wi-Fi, this sort of stuff. And yeah, I, I hope that never changes. I hope I'm always like that. Yeah, I think you get more uh, the, the 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 more you do it, the more different people you you speak to. It's just like it's like diving in a different swimming pool, basically. You know, temperatures a bit different, or diving in a lake rather than a swimming pool. It's still swimming at the end of the day. But I think uh, the way I look at radio, and the the reason I I love radio, I don't do any video anymore. By the way, I used to do quite a lot of uh, you know some TV and some video. I haven't really done much in the last couple of years because I find radio to be the purest for me the purest and, and 
best way to organize my thoughts in a linear uh, format of a show. And it's, you know, before I started doing this or was even politically active, you know, 20 years ago, I would always pick people's brains when you meet them in a pub or in a social setting or you run into people on the train or you're traveling, you know how how it is, yeah. uh, on a bus, and you meet the most interesting people when you're traveling or when you've gone to a function or something or other, or you meet socially. And so it's, it's, th- this is basically just an extension. It's like having a pub, but you're getting really interesting people and experts to talk about stuff. And, uh, but there's no beer on tap here, but, <laughs> but it's the same, it's the it's same principle. The so, you know, yeah, can I, can I just come in on that, Patrick? Because yeah. I, I think everybody knows, anybody who's working radio knows it's a very intimate medium. It's a one to one medium. You're having a conversation with, uh, you might be talking to Hesh. But then it's you, Hesh, and it's one listener. And that's what makes radio beautiful. It's you and one person, a person having, having an intimate, intimate conversation. And what's um, really interesting about that is, I've read studies. Now, I know studies can say anything, and sometimes you, you must take studies with a pinch of salt. But I've read studies, Patrick, that people listening to information through the medium of radio are actually more likely to retain the information uh, than if they've got it through the television, and I believe that I really do. I do it's that too. much more, yeah, because it's that much more concentration going on, and and of course we don't listen to radio together. We watch television together, but radio is a very personal thing. We listen alone. You know, if I'm listening to Sunday Wire on Sunday afternoons, I'm not listening to it with uh, my fiance. I'm listening to it by myself, and I'm completely gripped by you when you're doing a monologue or you and your guest. And I'm vastly or infinitely more likely to retain what I'm hearing. So radio, I think, is more important now than ever, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and I people were t- saying this a few years ago. They're saying that uh, the Internet is going to recharge radio uh, in, in, in a way that, you know, television had overtaken radio in the last 50 years. And then somehow the Internet was going to help to recharge through podcasts and, and uh, Internet radio broadcasts and things like that. And I really I look at the pro- proliferation of uh of podcasts and I, and it's not just that Richie, the loyalty people have to certain podcasts and very specialized subjects too, but absolutely loyal have been following them for years. I don't see that level of loyalty with television anymore. So I really do think there's something going on there. I think you're totally right. And I mean, um, you will have listeners now tonight. Uh, well, it's tonight now in, uh, in, uh, in England. Of course, you're going out live in the US and it's in the afternoon, in the early afternoon there. You will have people listening today that you're part of their routine. They listen to Patrick Henningsen on Sunday, where on Sunday's part of the routine. And they might tie that in with, well, I clean the house when I do that. Mm-hmm. Or I go for a jog and I do that. Or I go to the gym and I do that. It's personal in a way that, uh, as you described, television isn't. And it is powerful. And it's funny. You know, you do get presenters sometimes complaining, oh, God, not another uh, podcast, not another new radio show. I don't believe it. Not another new online station. But this is wonderful, this. The diversity of choice for people. You know, we shouldn't be, we should never be scared of choice. And we should encourage people. I often say to my listeners, you know, uh, first of all, don't believe anything I tell you, because when when I'm given an opinion, it is my opinion. Um, But second of all, 
you know, you've got a smartphone now, why don't you use it? Why don't you use um, your record feature on it to, you know, vent your spleen on any one particular subject and record it for 20 minutes? And then why don't you go and upload that to a free podcasting platform and bingo, you're away. Yeah. You know, you've started. And and uh, I don't know if anybody's, you know, done that based on my recommendation, but I, I, I think these are really exciting times for that. We're, you know, we, we have to be the presenters and the journalists that the mainstream media won't be. And, um, and, 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 and anybody can do it. Can do it. And we're talking about radio now, but of course, all smartphones have wonderful camera features. You know, people, you can, you can run after somebody now with a camera. You can, you can doorstep your local politician with your smartphone. Yeah, and, they do. And, and, yeah, and people are doing it and, and challenge them. Say, how dare you vote for the uh, bombing of Syria? How dare you? Would you kindly explain it to me? I always say to people, be totally polite, by the way. <laughs> never insult people. Never use bad language. But say to them, look, I'm your constituent. How dare you? Film it. And whatever their reaction is, put it on YouTube. Yeah. You know, this is the way the mainstream media won't do it, so <laughs> let's do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's there, there is a lot of um, a, a lot of people video blogging and uh, using platforms like Vine and and Snapchat and you know using that to get their opinion out or their issue out. There's also a lot of vanity, uh, selfie, narcissistic stuff as well. But you know, I think the cream separates uh, as it rises. I think the more we go on with digital uh, information, it's an absolute. Uh, it's a it's a completely insane uh, uh, sea of 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 content and stuff. But I think it will it, people will learn to discriminate and eventually learn to separate what's what. You know, just like they can walk into a bookstore and know that this is the nonfiction section and that's the the fiction section. Eventually, it will it'll fetter itself out. Um, but uh, in, right now it's in flux and it's a little bit crazy uh, for some people. You know, we we look at this stuff every day, so we're able to to to, to divide it and organize it in our head and know that what's what. But um, but I think it will over time. It'll it'll, it'll improve in terms yeah. of yeah yeah. One of, one of the things that's very interesting, you and I, I, I think. I mean, I'm not going to speak for you, but I think we're of a similar mind. I think is that. In my particular show, I spend a lot of time analysing something or many things that have been published in the uh, MSM. That's kind of what I do. I look at certain stories, I might play the clips, I might read from the newspaper story, and I might attack that. But in recent months, it's occurred to me, and I have approached this with a kind of a certain area, or sorry, a certain sense of trepidation, and that is maybe... We need, and when I say we, I shouldn't say we, I should say I need, um, to maybe shine that spotlight maybe on some quarters of the independent media as well as the mainstream media. And the reason I've been reluctant to do it until now is for the fear, I suppose, even though, you know, I've got a kind of a brass nick, Patrick, I don't worry too much about criticism, but <laughs> I, am, I am concerned that, you know, by doing it, some of the supporters of the independent media might say, well, well, this might just be bitterness or sour grapes. Why is he attacking the independent media or some of the independent media producers? But some of what we're seeing lately, and I'm not going to mention any, um, none whatsoever, I'm not going to mention a single producer uh, or a single, I'm not going to mention anybody, but some of what I've been seeing lately um, is kind of disturbing. It's disturbing to me. Um, some of it is is as poorly produced and is is as false in terms of the 
the, the information it's putting out there, as the MSM. And I'm kind of fighting with myself about that, thinking, well, how do I approach that? So that's something I might look at in the in the coming year. I don't want to attack people personally, but, you know, there are things going on in the independent media. Even, you know, I was looking around Facebook today, and there's always a lot of interest on Sunday afternoons and Sunday Wire. People are always sharing it, well, I'm going to be listening in, kind of a thing. But in the meantime, there's all this clickbait nonsense, Patrick, you know? Oh, my God. I, oh, I talked these about that. stories, yeah. <laughs> what, I, I don't, <laughs> now listen to this, Richie. I, ta- I, I, you know, I was talking, I don't know if you listened to the first hour, but um, someone shared a story on my Facebook page, which the headline reads, I'll read it again. I've got many of these, by the way. I collect them, and I keep them in a little folder. Uh, but the headline reads, uh, here we go, Putin orders 100,000 troops with atomic weapons to go blow up the Cer- underground CERN Hadron Collider in uh, in Switzerland. <laughs> okay, so I, yeah. I, I, I said the name of the website. It's called Your Newswire. Okay, um, someone shared this on my page, and I, I sort of take offense when people put things on my personal wall because that's like my, my space, you know. Um, but but I, I just uh, politely said this is what I think this is. But I see so many of these now, Richie, and uh, and they do propagate. And uh, Fareed Zakaria from CNN had a big diatribe about this this morning. I talked about it in the first hour, and and it, this is this is a good point you brought up here, Richie, because how do you deal with this plus other issues, you know, like Islamophobia or yeah, yeah. or some of the crazy uh, jingoistic or overly bigoted um, uh, rhetoric that we're hearing more and more of in the so-called uh, independent media, alternative media. And the the fact that you don't want to criticize like what you might consider, uh, not you, but other people might consider fellow members of the alternative media, for instance. What Here's, here's how I'm approaching this, Richie. I am saying to people now, there is no such thing as alternative media anymore. There is only media. There's no new media, there's no alternative media, there's no independent media, although we can use these terms for people to to label things. But the reality is, Richie, it's one big giant ocean full of yeah. different sized fishes, j- dangerous ones, uh, harmless ones, um, uh, flesh-eating <laughs> and yes, pl- yes. plankton, you know, and harmless big plankton-eating whales. You know, it's it's one big sea, primordial soup of information now. Because the reality is this, Richie: you are competing. You're not just competing with uh, Alex Jones or or someone else for listeners. You're competing with Anderson Cooper. Uh, at CNN or uh, Jeremy Paxman, you're, you're, we're in the same uh, ocean with them. Even though they're bigger fish, we're still competing for the same audience. So it's, it's, all, point it's all media. Yeah, and yeah. so I think pe- people need to get past the tribal identifi- identifications. I, I don't want to be a member anymore of the truth movement, the liberty movement, any movement, okay, the patriot movement or whatever. Um, I don't want to be labeled as such, and I, I do get labeled in different uh, things. And if I criticize uh, what someone's saying who seems to be non-mainstream, I get attacked as, as hurting the truth movement, for instance. And I personally yeah, yeah, yeah. don't I don't believe in those uh, identifiers, those labels. So for me, it just goes right off my back. But for some people, it, it they really believe. And I, I think if we... 
by calling ourselves alternative media, we're ghettoizing ourselves. We're creating a, a, a kind of a intellectual ghetto, which I don't think that's healthy either. I think, you know, you're in there with everybody, basically. And this is, this is the way the future's unfolding. And if you look at the numbers, the numbers that you're doing and other people are doing, and sometimes occasionally this show does on, on certain weeks, um, we're do, we're, we're, we're not bad. We get a decent share of the audience, but I'm not looking at the numbers, Richie. I'm looking at the quality of the audience. Yeah. So, so I'm looking at my chat room now and I see some of these, uh, crazy, uh, people in the chat room like, uh, DJ B2 White Bird. Uh, Elisa, Conscious Algorithm, Jazz Demon, B Max Sports. So they're all they're all in there in the mosh pit, and they're listening to this show. And I know all these people are very very au fait with all these issues we're talking about. So that to can me, I, can I ask you a question? I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. This is outrageous. It's your um, show, but I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> um, a great friend of mine in Ireland, uh, the actress Jean Ann uh, Crowley. Jean Ann was in Doctor Who and. Uh, she was in Educating Rita. She mm-hmm. was in loads and loads of uh, really successful theatrical productions uh, in Ireland and abroad. One of the things she keeps asking me, because she, um, in recent years, she's begun to see uh, the world a little bit differently. She's begun, uh, she's begun to um, understand a lot of what she's been reading in books by David Icke and, and others. And has probably had a, like all of us, had an inner battle with coming to terms with that information. But a very sharp, very, very, very smart woman. She's always asking me this. And I don't know the answer, really, other than try to be professional. David Icke used to say, Richie, try to sound like the mainstream media. Try to be as polished. Try to be as... Um, try to be as... Uh, as um, I hate to say the word, entertaining as them. But... The glaring difference between you and them will be that you are talking about things that they're trying to suppress. But she's always saying, how do you make a bridge with the people who are listening to Radio 1, Radio 5 Live, Radio 4, whatever, RTE Radio in Dublin, who are uncomfortable, Patrick, with the way the world is going? How do we make the next leap to grab those people that are borderline, you know, understanding some of what's going on. How do you build that bridge? It's a $64 million question, isn't it? I I think um, that is a good question. I think it's sort of like this, you know, when you're waiting in line at a supermarket and, you know, they have the books there. I don't know if they still do it, but, you know, the trashy romance novels. Then there's the self-improvement books, you know, how to become yeah. a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and there's all the sort of different t- types of books. And then there's like, uh, ISIS is, uh, the, the army of evil. That's in the checkout as well. Does, so even a person with a master's degree will sometimes go for the trashy romance novel or the, or the crazy, uh, Philip K. Dick science fiction, uh, paperback, you know. Um, or the My Pretty Pony sometimes. You know, pe- people like different things in their life. They don't necessarily always go for highbrow or lowbrow or middlebrow. They change. People are changing constantly. Like, I, I read the Daily Mail sometimes, or the, I, I sometimes I pick up the sun. When I go into a, a, a cafe and I'm eating breakfast in Britain, I like to have a copy of the sun in front of me. 
for some strange, maybe it's just force of habit, but I don't like to read the Telegraph when I'm having a, a fry up, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read the Sun, and it's not because I, I believe what's in the Sun or in the Express, but I'm very curious to see what the people who do read it are thinking and what sort of stories are prominent in their in their life. And um, and I think I think over time people will organically uh, migrate to the place where they feel most comfortable and most safe. And I think it's a safe place. People go to Radio 4 or Radio 1 because for them it's safe. They, if they don't want controversy or they liked, like to hear the consensus reality, it's safe. And if they go to your show, they're going to get challenged a little bit more. And maybe it's, it's not the right time for them. But over time, as, as word travels... Little by little, one listener at a time. Eventually, they start piling up on your side, and yeah. I think th- I think that's what's happening. You know what I've always tried to do over the years. I used to do it in Spain. Is I tried to bring on current or former politicians or business men and women whom are good people, Patrick, and whom get it up to a point. You know, up to a point, they understand what's going on, but but they don't um, maybe get the you know, the, the bigger picture. And I'm thinking of people whom, maybe I shouldn't mention them now because they've been regular guests on my programme, but I like them a lot, but I don't think they get the bigger picture. I'm thinking of people like, uh, for example, um, um, Ray McGovern, for example, who's a colleague of yours. At, um, yeah. at, uh, at RT. Former CIA analyst, yeah. Yeah, an absolute yeah. gentleman now. And how dare I say Ray doesn't get it, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be so bold as to say uh, Ray doesn't get the full picture. I mean, Ray McGovern has brain cells coming out of his bloody backside, um, yeah. you know, compared to me. And he's a genius um, when it comes to analysing, um, you know, the relationships between uh, countries and diplomats and, and, and foreign ministers and what have you. But I think, um, like, I would bring Ray on, we'll have a good chat with Ray, and then I would put a question to Ray, and Ray would say, ah, that's the old conspiracy there, Richie. And he would put an Irish accent on and he was say, ah, the old conspiracy stuff. But I'm, happy, <laughs> but I'm happy enough with that because I've got him on. I've said what I want to say to him. He's not going to go for it, but he doesn't mind. He doesn't feel like he's been, um, you, know, just, you know, he's been trapped in any way. And he'll come back and maybe doing it that way, and you do it. Um, so the reason I'm putting it to you, maybe that's a way to, you know, the, 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 the BBC and the RTE and the CNN listeners Get these people. I used to bring Edwina Curry on in the night in Spain and, and welcome on people like that for, for an hour. And people would go, what are you bringing her on for? It's because they get it up to a point. Yeah. And they're nice people. They're not evil people. They get it up to a point. And that, that's been my way of doing it, you know. Whatever side of the the political uh, divide you might think you're on, um, I always think, you know, I like to talk to even people that I would be in the opposition of. And uh, and, and, and you you do socialize and you meet people and either through family, work or whatever, the chances are that you're going to be interfacing intimately with people who you don't agree anything with politically or who you don't see the world in a vastly different way that you do and you still have to 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 get on with them and talk 
and you still have to live together and you know society still got to move forward with all the different characters and different viewpoints and that's another thing that i think is important is that you do got to listen to the people that you consider your opposition you yeah. got to listen to closely to what they're saying because then you know, it's important it's as important for your p- beliefs and positions to know what other people feel and think uh and if you just shut yourself off then the, the ghettoization happens and that's kind of like what we talked to before and there are a lot of people that you you get starved intellectually if you create a ghetto for yourself and uh so i think it's really important to 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 have a diverse uh line you're right yes you're right and as as well as that you self-censor you actually fall into the trap of Mm self-censorship and um, we've seen that we see that regularly Uh, one of the things that that hayden hewitt who uh, runs lively.com and hayden would have a very different worldview to the view that you and I have. And, um, you know, Hayden would be very much, uh, you know, questioning vaccines is silly. There are no issues with vaccines. Uh, geoengineering is nonsense. And he would mean that. Hayden is not um, a gatekeeper. He's a guy who uh, has got very strong personal opinions under his opinions. But he's also a champion of free speech and is determined, like you are and others, that every opinion is heard, irrespective of um, whether he agrees with it or not. But he's very, very critical, not of the independent media, but he's very critical of the of many of the followers of the independent media. Mm-hmm. This whole thing about um, shutting people down or dismissing somebody because you might agree with them seven out of ten things or eight out of ten things, but on two or three things you have a, a, a difference of opinion. And then, for some people then, oh, you automatically become the enemy. And yes. it gets very vitriolic. And Hayden said to me, and I didn't really consider it. I didn't really, it never occurred to me it was a form of censorship. But he actually said, but it is, it's incredible. He said how quick discussions are shut down. Somebody is labelled um, a plant or a shill or this or that because they take the line that, well, I don't know about chemtrails, to be honest. Then. I'm not quite sure about it. Oh, they're a shill. You know, you agree with them 80% of the time. And I thought that was just, um, was interesting. And I just tried to avoid all that sort of stuff. And you talked earlier on. Well, this happened to me this week. Um, It happened to two different uh, people. One of them was a colleague who uh, uh, accused me of being a patriot blogger because I am sympathetic to the 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 Bundy family in Nevada. So I'm a I'm I'm part of the patriot movement, according to him, because of that. So, you know, forget about all my achievements in life. I'm just a patriot blogger as far as he's concerned. But and then someone else uh, attacked me because I haven't I wasn't attacking Israel and the Jews hard enough. And so therefore I am uh, I'm in league with Bibi Netanyahu because of this. And it's kind of ironic because, I mean, I've. I've been very outspoken in, especially in, in, in the corner in defense of the Palestinian yeah. people for, for 15 years. And I, and ironically, I get attacked as being, uh, because I'm not vociferous enough for some people. Uh, and then it's if I'm. It's because you're not, it's because you're not racist enough, Patrick. Well, that's, and then, what, that, that's what it is. You're not, it, yeah. And if I happen to agree with Russia's foreign policy uh, uh, directives of that month, I then am in league with the Kremlin. 
you know, so, um, so it's like you, sometimes you can't win. But I find the criticism is mostly from people of my peers on this uh, in the independent or alternative realm uh, than it is from anywhere else. So it's Do you know what though? There are there are a lot of very fragile people out there. There are a lot of really hurt people out there. People who are they really don't do well with the way things are going. And um, I have personal experience of this because there's somebody. Uh, within my family, who um, has had a difficult time dealing with coming to terms with the reality of the way the world is going and, and you know what's really happening in the world. And it's very difficult. And I see it. I mean, you and I, because we present programs, we get a lot of correspondence from people. And I get correspondence maybe, maybe, maybe several times a week from people whom I think probably need intervention they need immediate help <laughs> god i know no, I, I, no, I don't yeah. say that for a laugh now no no I, I, and it sounds funny but but people who um they are on the edge patrick yeah on because, the edge. Because, yeah. because the madness of what's going on has yep. pushed them on the edge and these are the people who react badly they fall yeah. in love with patrick henningson fall in love with patrick henningson's program they listen to patrick what patrick is saying makes sense to them and geez yeah that's what i feel and Patrick Henningson can articulate it better than them. So the worst thing that can happen, Patrick, is a few weeks after they've committed themselves wholeheartedly to your program and the 21st Century Wire, is you say something they profoundly disagree with. Because it's like the ultimate form of treachery. Yeah. To them. Yeah. And that's what it is. And that's why I don't get too bogged down by it. And it's why I don't get too wound up by it. I mean, I have blocked people, not because I don't want to hear people who are in opposition to what I'm saying, but some people, they get so vitriolic with it and I can tell they're just not in a good space and that's what the system is doing to people it's really hurting them and uh, you know I, I, I don't know if you know you want to go down this sort of road in, in this conversation but I really do see that and maybe I notice it more because I'm so new to making these types of programs uh, compared to you but I, I do worry about people and I get emails sometimes and I think you know what I think Patrick I think I wish I hadn't read that email you know because I can't help that person no what, you're what so yeah, you're yeah. so correct. You're, it, it's more of an issue um, on on this on the sort of lower independent level than it is on the mainstream level because you look at how presidential candidates or politicians they stab their constituents in the back constantly. They betray yeah. them at every turn, right? And well, people, you don't expect you to. And, yeah, and they still show yeah. up to the rally. They'll still even vote for them. You know, so there's a level of uh, forgiveness because of the size of the star, I guess, but. Uh, on the independent level, people do take it very seriously. You're absolutely right. There is a level of intimacy uh, there, and and it, it is cherished and valued by people. But that that knife can cut both ways, and uh, it's a very sensitive environment. And I I do take a lot of care. I try to anyway. Um, I try to to I try to reserve my energy and my vitriol for the the giants you know so it's i'm i've got my slingshot and i I want to hit goliath (laughs) in the eye you know so i'm not really looking at david next to me i'm looking at goliath and that's who i've got my sights on most of the time so and and that's but you're right you're right richie it it can go it can go a bit pete tong um oh yeah i had a or something like that yeah it's incredible i had an email from a gentleman a couple of weeks back and he, from the very beginning, he was donating um, five pounds a month to the program, which is a wonderful gesture. And over, um, you know, over a year, 
it's a you know it's a tidy sum of money to uh, to a lot of people. And he sent me this email, and it was it was full of rage and hurt because I dismissed out of hand the idea that the earth is flat, <laughs> and because um, because I just don't believe that, and I probably should have been a bit more sensitive than than I was in the way I put it out there. But obviously, so it meant it meant a lot to him, and uh, he took it personally. Like you're mocking me, and I, said, well, I wasn't thinking of anybody in particular when I was saying it's a it's a silly idea. But it just reminded me to be. You know, to just remember that what's happening is, you know, while we're in the middle of making programs and writing articles, we are doing that. I'm right in the middle of it. And, and, you know, you work 10, 11, 12 hour days. You don't have a minute to think. For a lot of people, um, they're spending a lot of time thinking about this stuff and uh, they're not doing well with it, you know. Well, you know well. You're, you're right, Richie. The earth is not flat, okay? You're, you're correct. The Earth, but the real the real conspiracy is the Earth. This is we're inside a big volleyball, basically. So we're we're in the volleyball, and so what you see is a projection on the surface of the inside of the volleyball. Okay. So, I tell you what, Patrick. I was thinking just wanted to get today. that straight. Okay. Absolutely right. I mean, I was. You know, if ever if ever something happened on a news channel that made me realize just how important it is to make independent programs, to make programs offering a different perspective. I was watching Sky News this morning and the Saudi Arabian foreign minister was on there, uh, who I think his name is Adel Al-Jubair, I think that's his name, I could be wrong. Okay, uh, yeah. There's a couple of them, that might be the guy. And they were talking about the Iranian deal and this guy was telling he was telling a Sky News presenter that you know Lifting the hundred million dollars or hundred billion dollars worth of sanctions on Iran was a problem, and the Saudi Arabians, as a nation, were a bit worried about it. And he gave these reasons, and his reasons were that you know Iran has shown a history of interfering in the affairs of other countries, and then he said uh, that Iran, you know, doesn't have the best um, human rights record in the world. And of course, and I mentioned this earlier on today, and I made my own <laughs> podcast. What the Saudi the, guy was saying, Iran is Saudi guy was saying this. And okay. the, feckless, um, the feckless rogue Sky presenter sat there nodding along with him. Yeah, yeah. And, and it took me back to my days uh, learning how to present and produce talk radio programs. It took me back to the days when I did interviews with politicians, sometimes in the offices of the city council or the county council. And when I came back, Patrick, and my boss heard them, I would be absolutely carpeted because I didn't jump down the throat of the throat of a certain politician when they said something that could easily have been contradicted and I used to get hammered for it mm-hmm. and I was trained properly there's yeah. this guy guy sitting there going yeah 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 and at the end of it then right back to the studio and I'm thinking right there is the microcosm right there that if, if ever there was a clip you know that you could play to people to explain why it is that there needs to be this and I know you want to shed the term alternative and independent because it's all media now, but a different perspective, this was it. I couldn't believe what I was watching. It's probably the worst example of terrible journalism I've ever seen on television, and that was today. I couldn't believe it. Oh, no, yeah, the, it, it is amazing. But what you're talking about, you know, that sort of what you're trained to do, which is to, you know, don't let, don't let them get, get away with saying something that, you know, can, can be refuted or is, is hypocritical or something. Do you know yeah. who is... 
So Jeremy Paxman used to be uh, considered the gold standard for this. But I found his uh, looking back at some of his interviews now, as I become a little more sophisticated politically, um, he was really playing softball most of the time. And a lot of it was stage play. Now, I look at the, the guy that is on RT, Afshin Ratanzi, okay, has got a program called Going Underground. He is old school. He absolutely nothing gets by this guy. He'll catch it. And he'll do it very gracefully. He'll catch it and then he'll throw it back at them, basically. And so, so he's a very difficult interviewer. I rate him higher, way higher than, uh, uh, Paxman or any of these guys. But again, that's that old school ethic that he has that you're talking about that you were trained to do as well. And that is, it's so missing. It's so, um, not knowing what questions to ask. I mean, even for for me, it's something I've had to reverse engineer, you know, because I I don't have any training in journalism, but I've had to learn just by watching other good people. So, but I don't see any of most of the stuff I see, Richie, most of the major network stuff, ABC, CBS, uh, Fox, CNN, they, they don't ask any hard questions. In fact, it's so politicized. Every single media outlet is really so attached to the whatever the party agenda is of the day that the confirmation bias, you know what that term means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's so ingrained now that everything's confirmation bias. It's like depending on what angle you're facing, you know, every media outlet is uh, uh, Al Jazeera is another one of them, you know. Um, it's absolutely nailed to the U.S. State Department's foreign policy agenda. And it never veers away from that, you know. And people say, don't be so hard on CNN or the BBC or Al Jazeera because they make good documentaries. And uh, one, reader, one reader said to me, uh, pointed out to, to me, he said, yeah, he said they, they make good, f- CNN makes the best food program in the world. Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown. It's a great travel food program. It's awesome. But they don't uh, do current events very well. And the same with the BBC. They do the best gardening programs in the world, the best antique road show in the world. They're awesome. But when it comes to geopolitics, they are so narrow and they are so attached to a political agenda that it's, it's, it doesn't even define itself as news anymore. It's, it's not informative at all. No, it's, it's 24-hour commentary now. Yeah, it's manipulative, if anything. That's so. right. Yeah, I, I, um, a big, a big, um, a big event in my life is watching, um, the documentary Outfoxed, mm. uh, which I can never remember the guy. I remember that one. Who made that. Yeah. yeah. And, um, every, okay, it was very subjective, obviously, because, um, you know, there was a specific point of view being expressed by the filmmakers. But at the same time, it was factually correct from, from beginning to end. And to see the level of manipulation going on at Fox in terms of coming down from Roger Rails, the internal memorandums every day, you know, you're going to talk about this, you're going to talk about that. Uh, Reagan, uh, the Reagan Library is opening today. Uh, make sure that you catch um, loads and loads of screaming uh, patriotic children and uh, flags and this sort of stuff, and you're thinking, you know, they're, they're staging a production there. Mm-hmm. They're not, as you said, they're not covering news. Uh, they're, they've completely um, thrown the remit down the toilet. The whole, the, 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 the whole idea of well, informing the public, finding something out 
that's new and uh, telling, uh, imparting that information to the public. Gone, Patrick. And I never thought we'd see it coming in here. But we see it here now on Sky News. Of course, Fox's sister channel. We're seeing it on Channel 4. We're seeing it on, on ITV as well. Presenters who are there not to read a story um, and present an interviewee to uh, to challenge about that story, but to actually tell you what to think about it. Yeah. And uh, it's extraordinary to me, having grown up in the late 1990s in commercial radio, where you just couldn't imagine ever uh, conducting yourself in that way to see that now. And I mean, we got used to it coming out of Fox and CNN and C-SPAN, to see it now coming into the United Kingdom, and to see the um, the hyperbole, to hear the hyperbole, and uh, the way the way the way news is presented today is um, is terrifying. But at the same time, it's exhilarating as well as terrifying. Exhilarating because of the possibilities that it presents for people like us. Oh, it does. It it, it complete. I, I I don't mind at all. I mean, and you know, part of our part of my function is um, my role is you know if I see stuff that I know is on mainstream. Network, and I know that such and such millions of people saw that and took that in. And I want to refute that. I want to deconstruct it. I want to tell people how they're being brainwashed. Then that's 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 part of my job. That's something that people will tune into the show regularly to to see those examples, those exhibits, if you will, these crime exhibits in media. And that's sort of what I'm doing. But um, I, it's extraordinary what we're seeing, though, because I watched the debates. If you watched any of the, the presidential debates, aside from the circus and the theater that goes on stage, what's really interesting, Richie, is backstage. Backstage, they have the press room. But guess what? They're calling it the spin room. The spin they're, room, yeah. They're calling it the spin. I can't believe it's so it's just like, you know, the, the clothes are off. The emperor is just running around naked. You know, it's just a big party. You know, how it's incredible. So uh, the, this shows you no more vestiges of integrity. Uh, well, it's gone. So it's this is the spin room. This is where we spin things. You know, so it's like, yeah. where do you go from there in terms of the political process, which is lived through the television so much these days? Um, and this is what they're doing with it. It's extraordinary. So, it, it, like you said, it could open up a big opportunity for, and it is, it is opening up a big opportunity. People are going to reject this roundedly. Um, I, I really believe it. But it is shocking, Richie, you know. It is. I think what, you're, I think what ACR is doing um, is terrific. I think we talked to you and I privately about the need to... Um, to be what the media was supposed to be, to be the to be the journalist who sources information independently of anybody else and puts it out there. And when something is factual, say it isn't, prove it, uh, prove it by demonstrating that you have the facts to hand. But when you're offering an opinion based on what it is that uh, you're talking about, that you say that that you say, look, well, based on what I've seen, based on the evidence to hand, this is what uh, what I've come to conclude. That's sadly lacking in the independent media. But across the ACR uh, programmes, now Fab Radio is a different thing entirely. Fab is a, an entertainment-based platform. It doesn't do so much uh, news and politics or current affairs. So really, what I've seen in the independent, in, in the, what I've seen of the independent media, ACR is really the only platform 
it's the only station, um, if you will, for want of a better word, that is kind of promoting those standards. You know, let's be what the media ought to have been. Let's do it that way. And uh, I think there's a big future for that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, these people that we, we talk about that are on the edge, um, you know, people that are doing okay in their lives, they're intelligent people, they're not quite there yet with respect to, you know, thinking or seeing some of the things that we've seen. But the way to get to those people is, in my opinion, is to be professional, to to, to aspire to those standards that the media should have done, uh, or that the media should be. And I think that's one of the ways. I think what you guys are doing is um, is really terrific. It's 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 splendid, really. It's uh, it's something I'm delighted to be a part of. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're glad. No, we're glad to have you. Um, we're glad to have you on board, and you know, we're we're going to add a few little pieces to the uh, matrix, but 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 slowly and very carefully, um, because uh, you know we do want it to be uh, a, a, a safe entry point for a lot of people who are new to the material and this uh, way of looking at information or this perspective, but also to be comfortable for the dab hands as well. So this is a really hard balance to strike, and uh, we're you know we're we're sort of making our way through it, and we'll you know keep it trying to keep it real, and uh, and and but also trying to present things professionally because I know that makes a difference. You know, we, it's not just the information. Uh, I tell people, Richie, it's it's a battle. It's not just a battle of information. It's not an information war. It's a credibility war. And how do people determine credibility? Is, is through trust and through some really basic principles. And it takes a long time to build that up. And it's really difficult to do. Uh, it's a lot of broken, uh, eggs to make that omelet, yeah, as yeah, it were. Yeah, yeah. But it is a trust war. And, and that's the real battleground. It's credibility. And, uh, and so I, I never try, try never to lose focus of that. That's one thing that's always in the forefront of my mind. But, um, but yeah, yeah, we got a good, good little family at ACR. Um, you know, we're, we're just a, a skeleton crew as it, as it were, but, uh, you know, we're building up slowly and we're really happy with, with the progress that we've made so far. I'm reaching a lot of people already. I'm always mindful of something Michael Franti said in that disposable heroes of hypocrisy song television, that we are in an era where image has taken precedence over substance. It has done. But you know what? Why not embrace that? If mm-hmm. that's the level you have to reach people at, if you have to keep that in mind, you know, if the package has to be all glitzy and, you know, all glamorous, so be it then. You know, if that's, you know, sometimes you, you talk, you know, it's not, we, we've heard the old um, saying, if you can't beat them, join them. Well, maybe sometimes you have to join them to beat them. Yeah. You know, you, know, you have to be like them. And um, that was something that way back, um, when I first met David, David was very, very specific about that. Having worked for the BBC for so long, David said, "Why not aspire to those polished, slick, willy type uh, standards of the mainstream? Why not? As long as your information and your integrity is, is is better than the mainstream media, it doesn't matter. But be like them, but only in the way you package your product. I think there's something to that. I think, and your programs, whether it be." Um, the Albrecht show or, or the boiler room or yourself they have that polished um, mainstream type feel to them, you might not like me saying that but, uh, <laughs> but, but they do and, yeah, and well, more power 
uh, to you for, for them being like that. That's what I try and do. I listen to BBC Radio 4, I listen to BBC Radio 5, and, and I want people listening to my show in a car to think, um, what station am I on? Am I on um, the BBC North uh, West, or am I on whatever? I want people to think that, make that mistake, because it means that you know we're polished. We're performing on the same level as these people. And then, to, to, to return to what you said earlier on, it's one big media then. There isn't an alternative media or an independent media. It's just one media. I like that concept, to be honest. I really do. Yeah, but going forward, I think that's, that the, I think that's a healthier way to, uh, to be thinking, not just for, for us as presenters or producers, but also for the audience too. You know, that, you know, we, sh- like, we should be held to the same standard as, uh, as we're hold, trying to hold CNN to the fire, then, you know, we're going to be held to that same fire, I'm afraid. But there's some people that want it both ways. And I'm afraid it just not, I don't think that's the way forward. It's, you, you've got to be held to the same standards of uh, critique as the mainstream media. Um, but, uh, but also I think it's about exceeding expectations. People come, uh, to a program or they, they listen to a show. They expect, if they got something good the previous show, they're expecting to get equal or better in the next show. So it's about exceeding expectations. And, um, you know, so maybe that's a, uh, it's not so much about how polished you are as such because people have different deliveries, but it's about, of course, yeah, it's yeah. about exceeding expectations. And, um, and, and that's what I think if you try to do that, whatever you do, what, in, in, not just in media, but especially in media, but if you, if you, if you aim to exceed the expectations of your audience, you'll, you will always find some level of success and uh and i think that's that that's a thing never to lose sight of um and, and it's not about the glitz and the glam uh it's it uh down here anyway because obviously we don't have the production budget that uh that that anderson cooper has or somebody um so we we really we're in the battleground of ideas here and so we have to come with really good ideas because you know we don't have the uh the shields and the swords and the crowd as such, but we need course, to have yeah. really solid ideas. And so that also is part of the ethos. That's got to be uncompromisable. You got to come with original ideas, original stories, original angles every day, every time you're, you're, you're presenting somehow, some, some way it's got to be you know, original and it's got to be unique. And I think if you do that, you'll, you'll, you'll find your audience and that's, that goes out for anybody out there. Not just uh, not just you. I mean, I'm talking to the uh, to the choir here, but um, but yeah, I truly believe that. So, but but yeah, so I think uh, uh, looking forward. So, what have you got? Um, what it, what's what's the Richie Allen show looking like in the next year? Are you going to change the format? Are you going to go for different guests? Are you you going to carve out some new territory, maybe somewhere? What do you What are your plans? It's a good question, that Patrick. Um, I'm going to try and keep growing the audience. It, it, it had a, a very good start. It leveled off and in terms of figures and, and numbers, and then it picked up again. And it's um, it's getting. I'm very lucky, and I was very lucky early on to have the backing of David. I've never been, um, you know, I've never been under any illusions. That was very helpful early on. I've known David a few years. David said, "Look, I'll early on. I'll put the program on davidike.com, and I'll." I'll, you know, I'll promote it because I believe in it. Because he, he, he's an old guest of mine going back years on, on commercial radio. I used to bring David on commercial radio programs. And he couldn't believe this. He couldn't believe that we were getting away with it. And um, we got to know one another. And that was a big deal, that. And that was a great start. 
But since then, um, using that start, it's grown into something that's got a pretty big audience. But, but there's a but there. I want to talk to people, Patrick, whom are predisposed or are, um, are, are of a mind not to agree with us, who think differently, who think that largely what we are is conspiracy theorists. I want to reach those people. How I do that, I don't know. One of the things I'm going to do is is invite more and more people from public life on the programme. Um, you know, it, it takes a bit of doing, because a lot of the time they, they're reticent to come on, mm-hmm. because they, oh, well, this guy, he's got some very seriously silly opinions on... Yeah, it's, on it's stuff, risky so. for them, Richie. It's risky for them, it is. Yeah. But I've had success, Patrick, over the years where others haven't. Um, just by being... Maybe it's, a bit, maybe it's the Irish in me. You know, just by that kind of... Just by, you know, that, that, there's a kind of a playfulness. I'll ring people up and I'll say, come on and have a chat with me. And, oh, this guy's all right. Where's the show going out, Richie? Well, it's going out on Fab Radio. It's going out on RC, ACR. And it's um, sponsored by David Icke. Ah, I don't want to come on. <laughs> and I'll say, and I'll say, but why not? What difference does it make? And then I'll have a bit of um, a giggle with them. And largely, it's positive. Largely, they'll say, ah, go on, then I will come on. And I'll always say, what difference does it make, you know, if you disagree with David on certain things? Don't you believe in free speech and don't you believe in an open conversation? And Patrick, that's, that gets to them sometimes. And they'll then say to me, all right, okay, Richard, here we are coming from. And I've got Labour politicians coming on the programme. You know, I have had this year frontbenchers, backbenchers coming on to talk to me about stuff. And they know full well that I believe in things that, you know, they would believe to, to be conspiracy theory. But yet they come on. So I want to do more of that because I think, and it's only my opinion, and I mentioned my friend earlier on, Jean Ann, whom the American listeners will probably remember from Tenko, uh, the great theory set in the Far East, the, the Japanese uh, prisoners of war, the women, uh, Tenko. She's always saying that. Try and reach those people that are reachable, that j- just are not there yet in opening their minds. Reach them through more mainstream guests. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to go mainstream, far from it. You know, I want to hear from uh, alternative media producers more than anybody. But, yeah, I want to try and reach out to more people working within public life whom uh, are just on the edges, Patrick. Good people, decent people, the likes of Paul Flynn in the Labour Party, Piers Corbyn, Jeremy Corbyn's brother, people like that. Get them on. Ultimately, they don't believe in the in the, in the greatest Wait, conspiracy. Is Piers, Piers Corbyn is Jeremy's brother? He's Jeremy's brother. Are you, are you serious? Yes, and a lot of people... I, I met not, Piers Corbyn yeah. in, uh, in, in Copenhagen Jeremy. in 2009. I didn't know they were brothers. And a lot of people don't. And don't he's um, brilliant. He appears Corbin's is he's a brilliant uh, physicist. Um, he, he he's very good at what he does, uh, predicting weather. He is, and we had him on talking about climate change. But I got into geoengineering with him, and and he said, "Yeah, I do believe it's going on, Richie." He's the he's the you know would be prime minister's brother, and yeah. he's talking openly about it. And yeah. I'm thinking, you know what, Patrick. There might be somebody, just one person listening, who otherwise would have thought this was a load of nonsense. But because Piers Corbin said it. Well, you, know what's br- you know what's brilliant yeah. about that is that Jeremy, uh, being the consummate left-wing 
archetype. Um, he'll be generally those people are, are pro. They believe in man-made global warming and that we need to have carbon taxes and all these exactly. things. And then that's his brother who you would class on the very conservative wing of uh, that know that the climate is not uh, changing because of carbon dioxide from man's output. So that's that's in one family, isn't it? So there's the diversity right there. That's the microcosm of society. And that shows that you you need a dialogue, you know, between these different uh, sides. This is the problem, is that there isn't enough dialogue. But that's fascinating. I remember talking to Edwina Curry on the radio about the creation of money. And... I used to say to Edwina, why do you come on with me, Edwina? There's nothing in it for you. That's, that's what I used to say, you know. There's nothing in it. And she would say, um, I don't know, I just like to debate with you. I like a good argument. And I thought, you'll do for me. You will do for me. Because I like, you know, Edwina was right about Salmonella. And she's a Tory. And they're obnoxious, most of them. You know, yeah. the privileged classes. But she's a decent woman, a decent human being. And I remember getting through to Edwina. I remember ringing Edwina once to say, will you come on and take a question from me about Jimmy Savile? Yeah, she said. And she knew damn well there was a, a so-called conspiracy programme. But there are people like that, and they're very useful. She said, I will. Why do you want me? I said, because you were a minister for health, and you know you, you knew that Savile was going into certain hospitals. <laughs> but she didn't, she, didn't, she, she didn't know what Savile was up to. She did yeah. not. But you know, I mean, she regrets it now, of course. But well, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people thought he was, uh, you know, just a face of of, of children's charities and uh, that's a, right. a cheeky yeah, chappy, yeah. a DJ, yeah. and then, the, but but then there were people who who did know, but maybe not so many, I would think. Uh, but but the majority of people just, yeah, is the public persona was incredible. It was yeah. bigger than life, larger than life. They're so, so useful, these people, Patrick. Michael yeah. Meacher, rest in peace, Michael. Michael, oh, Michael Meacher. Oh, what my a lovely goodness. man. Total gentleman. No, but, but he believed in, you know, he believed in climate change and, and he believed in the European Union. I don't mind that, you know, because mm. Michael Meacher was a great man. He was a real yeah. socialist. But yeah. I, remember arguing, I remember arguing with Michael about the same subject one night on the, on the radio about, about money. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, what a complete gentleman. To his absolute credit, he argued with me. He argued with me that black was white, that today wasn't Monday, it was Tuesday. He argued and argued and argued. And he said, you know, the money system was fine, the central bank. And he, 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 he disagreed with me about the place of, 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 of central banks. And he really didn't understand them. And I couldn't believe this. This really intelligent, learned, smart, educated man, much brighter than me. He didn't get it. But what was amazing was about six weeks later, uh, Michael came back on the radio show. And he had the courage to say, do you know what? He said, uh, I've been thinking very hard about some of the stuff you were talking about, Richie. And he said, um, you, you're right about the money, the way money is created, the way it's created as debt, the way it's loaned into existence and stuff like that. And he just hadn't ever considered it in his life. You know, the gold standard had come and gone. Money was being created as thin air, but it never occurred to him. But I thought, what a wonderful guy. He came back and he said, yeah. And I said, well, if you consider that, Michael, what else might you start to consider, you know? And then, well, Michael, yeah. Michael, he he uh, he's one of their first sort of official uh, pol- political people to come out uh, to question uh, 9-11's official uh, story. Right? Was That's that- right. Yeah. So he's quite brave, actually. He's incredibly brave in that he, sense. He, he was a brilliant environment minister. 
in Tony Blair's first cabinet. Mm-hmm. He wasn't environment secretary. He was given a ministerial role at the Department of the Environment. Tony Blair hated Michael Meacher. He Tony Blair hated anybody that was potentially Absolutely. popular. He hated Mo Molin. He hated anybody who was competition, basically. Cause and he a was genuine socialist, Patrick. If you were a genuine yeah. socialist, he hated you. Because Blair was slipped in there to continue the policies of Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. As you and I well know, and, and of well, course, Meacher, and, and, and you mentioned others there, they were, you know, potential flies in his island. Well, Margaret, uh, Margaret said so herself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so. couldn't have done better than this guy getting elected, yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, that, I, I think, th- th- I give you a very long answer there. I, I want to try to get to more people that would ordinarily think that Patrick Henningsen and Jim Mars and David Icke are crazy. I want to reach more of those people. Because Patrick Hennings and David Icke and Jim Mars are not crazy. They're wide awake and asking the questions that the mainstream media doesn't dare ask. And I want more people to hear people like you. But not to convert, not people who understand it already. We need to forget about entertaining those people with interviews with people that they like and that they're used to, comfortable stuff like that. Let's get away from it. Let's, let's try and reach those people who are beginning to feel very, very uncomfortable about the world. That's what I want to do. I mightn't succeed at it, or maybe I will in a tiny way, but that's the ambition for 2016, and, you know, we'll see how it goes, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's 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 what you need to do. That's what everyone needs to do, is pushing the envelope, push, pushing the boundaries, and uh, this is the only way that you can achieve any... Uh, any progress, uh, achieve any innovation, uh, to move forward, uh, is, is by pushing the envelope, uh, whether you're in a creative field, whether you're making films, uh, whether you're making music, uh, speaking for someone who pushed the envelope, uh, most of his life, uh, we're talking over the break, uh, David Bowie is, is a good example. You know, when you think of David Bowie, what do you think of? Do you think of, when I think of Mick Jagger or Keith Richards, what, the first thing that comes to mind is not music, it's what? It's drugs, usually. <laughs> it's drugs, yeah, yeah. It's booze, or it's drugs, or some, some salacious, uh, uh, vision. When I, when I, when you say David Bowie, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, to me, it just would be, um, chameleon, the, the ability to reinvent yourself, to change. To be yeah. something different. Or artist, uh, art. Or artist, yeah, art, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah. first, I, I think of him, it, really, I, the, the word artist, it comes there. Not because it's a label, because I see him as, he is an artist, you know. He, 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 he is the, he is the masterpiece, is, is him, you know. Um, but I don't, I don't think the same way about all these rock icons, you know. They don't hold the same position in my mind. But um, David Bowie really pushed the envelope. He was amazing. I saw him in 95 in the Point Depot in Dublin. Morrissey was supporting him, which is the only reason I went to the gig. Because although I knew Bowie's music and I didn't have anything uh, against it, I would have liked some of it. Didn't know a lot about him. And I only bought a ticket to see Morrissey. But I came away from it, a, a Bowie convert. I started buying um, all the back catalogue. Then I, I bought the Berlin albums, Low and Heroes and Mm-hmm. Um, uh, way back, Siggy Stardust just started buying all this stuff and listening to him and fell in love with it. But only ever saw him at one time, Patrick. Did you ever see him live? I've never seen him live. You know, he didn't play very much live. Um, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Th- very much. So you were lucky to see him. Very lucky. I tell you a funny story about that. One of the greatest radio presenters that ever lived is a guy called 
uh, Jerry uh, Ryan. Uh, Jerry was a radio presenter for Radio 2 in Ireland for many years. He was one of the first great talk presenters on radio in Ireland who threw his programme open to the public and people would ring him up to talk about their lives and their experiences. He was an amazing morning radio presenter. And um, the, the, the particular weekend boy was in Dublin. On the early part of the tour, he'd been playing mostly new material and he'd been annoying the fans who you know, had bought the tickets months in advance and wanted to hear all the old stuff. And Bowie wasn't doing it because he wasn't in that frame of mind, in that headspace. But Jerry, being this amazing Irish radio presenter, terrifically talented, he got um, Bowie on the phone on the morning of the concert in Dublin and basically said that there'd be absolute murder unless he gave the Irish fans what they wanted, which was a nice mix of uh, some of the new album, but also the great old hits. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, of course, Bowie came out and did the greatest hit set, which uh, which was amazing. And I remember that about that gig, and I remember that about that presenter, because he was a you know an absolutely fantastic radio presenter in the mainstream. Sadly, you know, uh, a dying breed. Uh, well, he did die. He did pass away a few years back. But um, yeah, that was an amazing experience for me seeing Bowie, and never saw him again. That was the one. That was the one time, and I barely remember it now. But uh, changed. Yeah, it was certainly kind of a life changing thing, and. Um, he was uh, he was terrific. It was interesting to see, of course, in the last few days after he died, all the nonsense about the occult on on some of these clickbait sites, which just make you want to just punch, you know, you put your fist through a window. There's all this stuff on. You mentioned your news where there's another one called Before It's News, and all of these stories about how Bowie was a conduit for occultism. It's just yeah. nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah. Well, he he. he, he... <laughs> More, I identify him as a Brixton boy. You know, you, you come out of Brixton tube station and you cross yeah. over the road. There's a brilliant mural that someone painted a few years ago of him, Ziggy Stardust, and some stuff he's got going on there and the hair, different color hair and stuff. This is a brilliant sort of, uh, tribute to, to one of Brixton's, uh, famous, uh, you know, pr- products there, uh, David Bowie. So, um, yeah. and, and I think that sort of real, that South London grit, you know, that keeping it real, as they always say in South London, um, Bowie, he, he had that, you know, he, it, it, he always kind of kept it real in a way, or at least real for himself. And I think that's why he's so respected, um, by so many people. Yeah, it was an interesting week. Death is a part of life. A lot of um, people who work tirelessly to promote the cause of Palestinians were upset with the death of Alan Rickman, whom mm. you have to say you have to say was obviously a brilliant actor. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know too much about acting. As I said, I have a friend uh, who's a great actress, but this was a very very powerful presence on screen, and obviously a very nice guy. And of course, he did the Rachel Corey thing, which which endeared him to supporters of. Um, you know, the just cause of Palestinian rights, and that, that was a big blow. Malcolm McLaren as well, and the Sex Pistols. It's been an interesting and probably well, a sad week, but, uh, yeah. Well, Malcolm McLaren passed this week. He did, he passed away, yeah. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. About Alan Rickman, he seemed like a real gentleman. Um, I, I He took, Alan Rickman took a lot of flack. When, oh, he did, yeah. When he stood up for Rachel Curry, and I think Tom Herndall as well, but... Um, he did. He did take, and that's not a popular thing to do in Hollywood, to you know go against the Israel grain, as it were. Um, it's not popular if you're in Hollywood. 
Um, that's just a fact. That's a political statement. It's nothing else. It's uh, it's a fact of politics. And um, and so he's very brave uh, by doing that. But um, yeah, great great actor, great artist. Absolutely. He was. Uh, I was listening to uh, Gareth Ike, and Gareth's very interested in the um, the Palestinian cause. And um, Gareth's done a lot of work with sending football shirts over there for the children and stuff. And you know Gareth very well, of course. And uh, Gareth I was the first knew when yeah. he was a musician <laughs> when he had a band. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. A band called Cody, and uh, he played. We he he did a gig for us in uh, Hoxton Square. It was like 2006 or something, or five, I don't know. But he was so, I, I just remember him being young and really talented, um, very energetic as well. But so he's sending football jerseys to Palestine. Well, he, well, he has been, I, I think that's been going on for a couple of years, uh, uh, Patrick. Garris is a massive, massive soccer fan. And uh, he's a big fan of uh, Derby, Derby County. So are they getting Derby? So so he's converting all the young Palestinians into Derby County supporters. I hope. But if he was doing that, <laughs> I'd be um, I'd be tearing him to pieces on the radio show. Uh, don't do that to the kids. Life is difficult enough for the children of Gaza without, yeah, without, without saddling them with bloody Derby County. But no, he um, no he he, he started um, encouraging uh, fans of his music to send him their used soccer jerseys. So it could be anybody. It could be Liverpool, Manchester United. It could be Brentford. It could be anybody. Yeah, that's and good. Um, yeah, and he sent them to the kids um, because obviously it's very important. While all this is going on, and while these, while apartheid let's let's call it what it is, while apartheid reigns in Gaza and on the West Bank, it's important that the children get time away from it and that they play football. So as well as sending them all the all the shirts, they send them footballs and. And, and magazines and posters and pictures and it's a wonderful thing and then um, he was doing it you know up until late last year and uh, we were sending him on our old football shirts and uh, uh, yeah so Gareth was tweeting quite a bit about Rickman because um, Gareth had seen the play that Alan Rickman did I think he'd, I think he'd gone to see it so it meant a lot to Gareth so um, um, yeah yeah great guy and as you said you know, it took a bit of guts to stand up and, and take that position as he did. Yeah. Uh, if, if only there were more like him, Patrick, in public life. Well, it's a great, it's a great legacy too to produce a play on that subject. Yeah. Um, it's a legacy that will live on uh, in, in way past uh, his time. Uh, so I think that's uh, admirable to say the least. But uh, yeah, quite quite a week, Richie, in terms of icons, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, icons passing through. Pass, passing through this realm in the in the uh, the, the, the three dimensional universe, as it were. But um, well, we'll get we'll we'll wrap it up um, not on a sad note, but on, on an up. You know, those are great people you just mentioned, Richie, um, who've done some tremendous tremendous contributions uh, to our lives and uh, our culture, giving color to our world. So we should celebrate. Uh, what they've done and, and, and the journey that they had with us. So I think that's Absolutely. Uh, not negative at all. Not, not one bit. No, and these, these people taught people, if they taught people anything, it's a thing for yourself. It's yeah. to use your own brain. And, and Bowie's a perfect example. I know you want to wrap it up, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to bore you, but he was a perfect example. If I believe in something and if it makes sense to me and if I love it, well, I'm going to display that. I'm going to put it out there. And it doesn't matter whether it's commercial or not or whether anybody else likes it. And I tell you what, if 
If everybody in the world could adopt that attitude, I couldn't care less what anybody else thinks about how I feel or what it is that I like. Patrick, it would be game over mm. for, the, for the system. Game over. Yeah, well, it'll be the well the new system, <laughs> the new system. Yeah. yeah, well, I think I think we're seeing a lot of that, Richie. I I, I really I, I see more and more of it. Um, we're 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 heading into a different paradigm. You know, the rules are changing, playing fields changing, uh, everything's changing. The tools of the trade are changing too. So, it is a very interesting time to be alive. Uh, I would say so, but uh, thank you so much for your time, Richie. Uh, it's been great. Uh, Having a chinwag here on the Sunday Wire, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll do it again at some point. Uh, I I heard noises that you might appear in the boiler room on ACR as well uh, soon, or you might do a little cameo there at some point. Yeah, I'd be honored, Jan. I'm, I'm really really thrilled you invited me on today. It's been great. Really yeah, enjoyed no, it. No, really happy to have you on, and uh, I'm sure the, the the boiler plate crowd there. Uh, we'll love to, to see you on the boiler room too. And also, just to also tell people more about your show, which is now on ACR. So, Richie Allen show, you can catch it if you're in America. I think, correct me if I'm wrong on the time, but I think it is 12 p.m. till 2 p.m. Pacific. Is that right? Spot and, on. Yeah. Yeah. 12 to 2 Pacific, and that will be 3 till. Um, oh, sorry, uh, 3 till 5 Eastern. 3 till 5 Eastern, and on UK time, it's uh, 8 p.m. till 10 p.m., right? That's the one, and uh, to wrap it up, it's 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Central time, I think. Okay. So that's the so. yeah, that's about right, Jan, yeah. And that is live. So that is that is a live feed. Uh, great show Monday to Monday to Thursday, and then you've got your TV show on Friday, right? Yeah, we record a TV show in Manchester on Friday mornings early, and we turn it around quick and we get it on YouTube by um, late afternoon. And it's usually 35, 40, maybe forty five minutes of um, opinions based on mainstream news stories. We look at the mainstream media. We grab a few clips, and we generally have um, you know a good a good rant basically, and that's yeah, the TV show. So that's on YouTube. We've got a link to uh, Richie Allen Show uh, website on our show page right now, so you can go check out, uh, see his archive as well. Uh, you can access it there, and also here in the live stream on ACR uh, Monday to Friday. So, Richie Allen, thank you so much. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again, and. Uh, well, a uh, lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff going on this year. This is going to be a wild and, and woolly year. I can feel it already. It certainly is, Patrick. It was an honor. Thanks for having me on. Continued success to you. Everybody at Sunday Wire, it's a great show. It really is. It's essential listening every Sunday. There's nothing like it. And uh, to Hesh there in the background and everybody else, thrilled to be associated with you guys. Really am. It's an honor. And we'll talk very soon, mate. There he goes, Richie Allen, ladies and gentlemen, from the Richie Allen Show. Check out his show and his work. You can catch uh, on ACR here live. And, uh, yes, thank you to Hesher. Uh, we had an absolute storm uh, before this show, technically. Uh, I was bouncing off the walls, and uh, Hesher came in, uh, our ACR board producer, and he calmed it down. He calmed it down. He gave me a shot. 
of calmness, and uh, we got the show on the road. But uh, so there are things going on behind the scenes sometimes, uh, technically, that are just uh, unexplainable. Uh, but this is the digital world we live in. So thanks to our team at ACR for for helping uh, smooth that out. And uh, it's been a pretty good pretty good ride this week. We've got a great show lined up for you next week. So you do want to stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. Take care.